This is episode number 343, How to Make Tough Decisions in Life, with Anna Ratala. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who've overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to make a few quick announcements. The first announcement being an invitation to all of our listeners to our upcoming five-week program called Curiosity, the Key to Rewriting Your Story. If this is your first time hearing about it, this is a program that we've been developing over the past five to six years of working from people from all over the world in helping them rewrite their story, the story of their past, the story of their present, the story of their future, the stories that are no longer serving them in order to help them become the people they are wanting to become. If you feel that this is of interest to you, please visit our website at overcomingodds.today where you'll be able to find the latest details regarding this program. The second announcement that I wanted to make is in regard to our show, and that is if our show has had any form of impact in your life, please consider supporting our work by either making a contribution through our website at overcomingodds.today or leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. So I was rereading your post, and the reason why I reached out to begin with is because I found a lot of value in being able to kind of start over, in a sense, with wherever you are at. And that I found that there are certain points in my life, as well as people that I know, where it was difficult to start over. You know, it was difficult to start over in a sense of not having the whole thing figured out. And the thing that you wrote, I found very interesting. He, you said, I came to New York before the pandemic with two suitcases and two months of personal runway. Now, I would make an argument that for most people, that's not enough in both regards. And so I'm curious, maybe the best way that you, can, you and I can even start this off is, how did you make that decision? And, and how did you know that this was going to be enough in order to make that step moving forward instead of waiting for a year of runway, right? And and having a lot of other things figured out because I found that in, in a lot of situations, that is the thing that most people are held back by. Uncertainty. Yeah. I didn't know that it was enough. And I basically figured out it wasn't. But I felt like I also didn't have a choice because of the timing. I mean, there are always push and pull factors when you make decisions, right? And mine were all push factors, right? So I had met my co-founder a little bit um, earlier through um, a startup program by an early stage VC. And we got the idea for our startups book. We pitched it to that VC. They had like an an investment committee um, and they gave a small check um, to the company. And we decided that if we got the check, 
we'd actually have to go where our market was. And I was living in Singapore back then, the market was in America. And so we decided that we had to be in, in New York. And it was a very pivotal moment because many people told me, yes, why don't you just start in Singapore? Be here for a year. I mean, it's annoying with the time difference, but you can make it work. And then once you have something, you go, right? But everyone who's ever started a business knows that you cannot build a business not being in the center of where your customers are, where your market is, not having a finger on your pulse. You have to be there. So I felt like this was such an amazing opportunity. I mean, who else was going to give you, what investor was going to give you even a small check based on a PowerPoint and an idea? I mean, you know, I had just met my co-founder. He was exactly the kind of person that I needed to build out the platform that, you know, we had envisioned. So, so many things were kind of aligned. Um, and so I felt like, you know, from that perspective, it was the right thing to do. And in my personal life, I just also, you know, I'd lived in Singapore for eight years and, you know, I had this amazing, pretty good life that was stable and, 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 and great, but I'd already experienced the feelings of there's something more. I don't feel a hundred percent like this, this is my place. Um, I felt like I was meant to do something more. I've always loved adventures and, you know, there were certain things that I wasn't a hundred percent happy with. And so I decided that this was probably the universe's way of telling me to let go of those things. Right. I mean, things happen for a reason. I'm a big believer in that. Um, and so I just said, okay, I'm going to close my eyes, take the plunge. Um, and at the end of the day, what's the worst thing that can happen? Like the absolute worst. Let's say I actually run out of money because we won't be able to raise more money and whatnot. And I'm actually going to have to do what? Probably leave, um, go stay with my family in Europe. Um, you know, I mean, there's always, there's always a way. Like, it's not like I was going to end up on the streets. But I had enough of my back was against the wall enough to where I knew that I was going to do everything in my power. And I think that's what often happens when you don't have a choice. You actually overcome obstacles that you otherwise may not overcome because you have a cushion or you have a plan B or you have certain kind of certainty, which very often happens when people are saying, hey, I'm still at my job but I'm starting with this company. And then all of a sudden, two years later, they're still doing that. They still want to perfect it because they're, they, they have that choice of not making the jump. I felt like I didn't. And I'm actually really glad that I ended up um, making the jump. What would you say was the final straw? What was the last thing that helped you kind of make that decision? You know, we came first to New York for five weeks. Um, so two weeks after we'd gotten that that first check from the investor, me and my co-founder. This is New York. right before the pandemic or? This was like six months. No, this was like six months. This was like uh, midway through 2019. Um, and so nobody knows about the pandemic. Uh, we come to New York for five weeks and that was our time to come here and really make sense of does it make sense for us to be here? And then I went back to Singapore to actually pack my bags. And after those five weeks, that was really what sealed the deal, right? We started making certain connections um, and you can kind of, see and experience the pulse of New York City, all these people doing things. And you're saying, okay, great. Like I've met some interesting people while we're building seems to resonate. And then I went back to Singapore to actually pack, pack my bags and I go back and it doesn't feel like home anymore. It just feels like I can't wait to go back to New York. That's where I belong. Mm. And I think that for me was really the final um, sort of way for me to really know that 
yes, it was my time now for new adventures. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you mentioned that because, you know, I've experienced similar feelings before where you go back and you just, it, it seems like you've already outgrown that place, right? And yes, it would be easy. And I think you even shared that in your post to stay connected to the old friends and live in the same place and go to the same places because then there's just not as much discomfort that you experience. But at the same time, like I found in my own life that whenever I'm in situations like that, it, for me, it's always been better to just move in a new direction. Yes, I'm going to have to quote unquote start over in some regards, you know, meeting new people, finding new places, doing all these things. But at the same time, it's like those are the things that also bring me excitement. Yeah. And I think it's always, I mean, it's a very cliche saying, but I think it's true that you don't regret the things you do. You regret the things you don't do. I'm a big believer in that. And I had for that whole first year when I came to New York, um, I had this mantra, do things that feel good. Uh, Because you actually don't really know if a particular decision is right or wrong until after the fact, right? You can look back and say, oh, it was a good thing I did that. Or, oh, actually, maybe I should have done something differently. But in the moment when you make the decision, you don't really know. And so the only way for you to make that decision is asking yourself, does this make me feel good right now in the moment? It's not the same thing as, is this easy? But does it feel good as a decision right now? And that's what I was basing my you know, decisions on. Does it feel good? I trust my gut feel. Um, and you know, even even after coming to New York, right? It was it was tough because you're by yourself and you have a lot of uncertainty. And obviously, things never go how you planned, right? I mean, we met with a bunch of investors thinking somebody's going to write us like a nice, you know, follow up check, but we had nothing. We had a PowerPoint and a landing page. Like, who was? And nobody knew us. We were like two foreign founders just came a month ago to New York, who was going to write us a check, you know? So we were a little bit, you know, we had really high hopes and, and you know, started understanding that wasn't going to happen very, very quickly. And so there's a lot of uncertainty. You don't know anybody. You know, I, I spent a lot of my weekends by myself and it's a very weird feeling for an extroverted person like me. I've always had a lot of friends. Yes. And all of a sudden you're there, you're sitting in your tiny room. And, and, and I was like almost in my mid-30s. So I'm like, what am I doing? Like I had this really nice life in an apartment and, you know, I could travel and go to dinners and all these things. And now I can't do none of that. I don't have any friends in the same time zone. I'm just sitting there by myself, like drinking some cheap wine in my room, trying to figure (laughs) out, you know, how to move forward. But I do have to say that even though there were these moments, still, I would wake up every day feeling happy because I made the choice to come here. It was my choice. Life didn't happen to me. Nothing happened to me. Nobody forced me to do this. I chose this. And I chose this because I was actually building my dream. I'd always wanted to build, you know, a company and build a startup. I was excited about that. So I started thinking about it like, this is going to be a chapter in my book. This is going to be, this is just a part of the story. It's supposed to go like this. Um, And that gave me a lot of strength, you know, Um, and then obviously, you know, you have to work, right? I mean, you can't just sit there and wait for things to happen or hope or pray, whatever. You actually have to work. You have to do some things to try and figure out which of those things is going to move the needle. Do you find that in most situations, it is the action that's able to kind of move everything forward, even during the times where everything seems unstable? Absolutely. Action is key. Every single day. Even when you're overwhelmed, you're uncertain, do one step at a time, do one thing, send one email, 
do something. Don't overthink it in terms of, oh, is this now a part of the strategy that's going to lead me? Just do something because oftentimes you start doing things and I feel like momentum brings other momentum, right? So you start reaching out to people or talking to people and all of a sudden somebody reaches out to you and, 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 and connects you with the right type of person or with an investor or something. Um, I think action is, is crucial and just, I mean, for your own mental health as well, right? I mean, at least you know that you are doing all you can. So looking back at it, you don't have to be like, oh, I wish I had tried harder, right? There, mm-hmm. there, there can be no such thing. Was it hard to come to U.S.? I'm assuming, have you been in U.S. before for uh, any length of time? Was it hard to come back and kind of readjust and, and go into a new culture? I'd only been here as a tourist for once. Um, and I actually wasn't a huge fan of New York when I came as a tourist. I mean, I was staying in New Jersey and took taking a bus to like Times Square. And that's not, I mean, if you live in New York, you know, like that's not the area that's like the real New York. And so I was like, oh, it's kind of weird. Like, I don't know why people hype it up so much. But then when I came here to really stay, obviously you see a different side of the city in general. And it all just became, this was like the scene of my biggest adventure in life. It's as if I had my past life that was very cozy and nice and good. And then this like new adventure. So I really embraced it. It wasn't easy from the perspective. I mean, listen, I've been here now for almost three years. I just got um, like a, a, a work visa i was on a business visa before which meant that i had to actually go back and forth every three to six months to another country i went back to singapore i went to europe i went to you know to kind of renew the business visa um and so it was definitely a lot of again just sleepless nights trying to figure out how to make it work and i spoke with i think five different lawyers that all said yeah because of because you're not just an employee you're owner of a company there didn't really seem to be a very good visa type. Um, and I would just be like, okay, thanks. And be like, okay, I just need to find a new lawyer. Like I need to find someone who's going to say, here's how you can make it happen. And then eventually we did. Um, but there's just like a lot of paperwork. Everybody I think who's come to the US knows what the whole visa hurdle is like, especially when you have to do it by yourself. Yeah. And stuff, you know, organized by a company or someone else. It seems stressful. And, and that was going to be my uh, thing is, is like, how do, how do you process that stress and having to go back and forth and then simultaneously know that your business may or may not go in the direction that you want? You how have do you deal to, I, I think what, what I did was I, I tried to put my thoughts into compartments, right? Like thinking about my visa late at night after I've done like a work day, is that bringing me forward? Can I do something for it? If not... I should let that thought be. Uh, and it's really hard. It's way easier said than done, but you have to do it because otherwise you're, you're, you'll, you'll die of stress, right? And I remember, especially during the pandemic, when the pandemic started, I think it was like three or four months after it started, people were still kind of in semi-lockdowns, whatnot. And I had to leave the country because my business visa at the time was, was up and I was supposed to go to Singapore, but Singapore wasn't admitting anybody in. And so it was a whole mess. Uh, that I had to figure out how to do. And in addition to, you know, trying to start and run the business. So I don't recommend it, but if you are in that scenario, um, you can you can make it happen. And again, yeah, you just need to make sure that you put things into perspective, put things into com- compart- uh, like com- compartments and 
Um, and also take care of your own sort of mental well-being, right? Like if that means that you do whatever sports or maybe every now and then, you know, you treat yourself to a nice dinner or something, whatever works for you, um, just make sure that you do that. I mean, working 24-7 and worrying about things is not going to lead to success yes. in any scenarios, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I found the same exact thing. I think whenever faced with new changes or new opportunities, there's always going to be a learning curve with those things. And so that alone can bring in whatever stress and anxiety and whatever else that you might envision. And I'm also curious, when you were making a transition from Singapore to US, yes, you had the opportunity to kind of go back between, you know, the two for however long, but I'm curious, was it difficult to let go a lot of the friendships or connections that you had then? Or did you feel like you never had to let them go? Like they were still a part of you. They were just going into a different kind of chapter, different phase of your life. Yeah. I don't think that I necessarily let go at least knowingly. I didn't say to myself, okay, I'm not going to, you know, uh, keep in contact with friends. A lot of actually people during the pandemic, uh, a lot of my close friends in Singapore moved back to Europe. Um, a lot of them are from Finland, like I am, or somewhere else. So, um, you know, a lot of people, there, there were a lot of changes in, in, in many of my friends' lives as well. But I think that over time, you just naturally start gravitating towards more towards those friends and people who have a very similar mindset. Like if you have a, a friend who has a house and three kids and a nine to five job, they might be a wonderful person, but when you speak with them, there's nothing really common. They don't really get what you're doing you're not, not really interested in what they're doing. And so there's just this, this polite uh, distance in between you that, that kind of grows. And I've just learned to embrace it and say, it's okay. Not every, not every single person is meant to be in your life, you know, forever or in the same way they were, you know, in the beginning, right? So friendships and relationships change and that's okay. And then you find some new people or people that you've maybe known that become even more important to you because of the way how your journey is changing. Um, so I, I didn't feel like I had to, you know, let go of anything that wasn't naturally, you know, going to happen. The only thing I think, you know, for me coming to New York and starting to build all your whole network again, is hard because, you know, in Singapore, before I started Spook, I ran a big tech startup event. And so I knew a lot of people in the tech and startup and, investor community and went to a lot of events and I felt like I had this little community that I knew everybody and everybody knew me and it was it was amazing and then all of a sudden you come here where nobody knows you you're not being invited anywhere you don't know anybody you can't ask help from anybody because you don't you don't know who to ask help from so that was the biggest difference that I saw like oh I don't have that safety net of people that I could just pick up the call and be like hey do you know this or can you help me with that didn't have it I had to start that from scratch and so that I think was maybe the most painful part of of the process do you think it's also do you think age plays a factor in, in the ability to make friends to meet people or not so much I thought it did I thought that it was going to be really hard in your mid-30s just to come here and be like do you want to be a friend you know <laughs> Do you want to be friends? But uh, actually, I have to say that, especially in New York, it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. And I think it's because New York is a place where you have people from all over the world. People come here all the time. They come and go. There are a lot of 
foreigners and immigrants and and even Americans that are here are, you know, a lot of them have traveled and they're hustling their own things. People are very open actually getting to know you and your story. Um, and, you know, it might be part of that might be that, you know, a lot of Americans are just very, you know, chatty in general and there's a lot of small talk. So it at least feels like you're getting to know people on some level. Maybe it's not very deep, but at least it's a start. And then you can see who you really connect with and continue from there. Um, maybe had I moved somewhere else, like to the Midwest, it probably would be a little different um, or to some other smaller city. But at least in New York, it wasn't as hard as as I thought it was going to be. So I would I, I would encourage people to not overthink that aspect. Um, you're definitely always going to find your community or at least a few people that you can really sort of connect with. Yeah. I'm adding, as you notice, I'm adding some piano music to to our episode. I don't know if you can hear it or not, but I think there's someone tuning the piano downstairs. So there's, you know, talk about it. Nothing that can be done. <laughs> I, you know, I'm always interested in what you shared because, or I've oftentimes been, because I found that in, even in my own case, like when I moved to Austin, this was six, seven years ago, and I lived there for a while and I went and traveled for about a year the biggest barrier that I've noticed is, am I going to be able to fit in? Am I going to find my own community? Am I going to find my own tribe? And I found the same exact things in New York City. I think people are very open. I'll also say that in most places, people are open. And I think part of it maybe has to do with just the mindset that you go into it with. And that's if I choose to be open, I'm bound to find someone else, right? Who is as open, as welcoming, and then from there, yes, you meet some people on the way who don't choose to respond, don't choose to help, don't choose to open doors, whatever it is. But I also think that's just part of life. And I think there is even a lesson within those circumstances, right? That maybe there is, maybe there are things for me to learn about how open do I become to each individual? Where do you start? And most situations, you do start with small talk. You're not yeah. able to kind of go into the deep dive about life and who you are and what you aspire for and that's just a course maybe that's just a natural course to relationships i love that i agree with that the mindset your own mindset and how open you are plays a huge role and i must say that during my time in new york i have become more open um quicker i've always been a very extroverted i talk a lot and whatnot but i don't really go into very deep topics with people for a very long time i'm almost very interested in the other people but i'm not so comfortable sharing some of my struggles or some deep thoughts um even an interview like this three years ago i would never have done this right because it's a very vulnerable thing to say to people who you've just met or in this case i don't even know who's listening right um but i've learned i think through the other people that i've met especially in new york how open they are and that everybody has a story and everybody has struggles and people i think well especially if you come to new york a lot of people come here to try to make it try to build something from scratch they're struggling overcoming challenges And it's been amazing to listen to those stories and you're like, wow, this person also had a tough and this person also had to do this decision or they're struggling with something. And it just created this whole shared space where you were sort of very at ease to share yours. And I think it's it's a great thing because again, when you come in there with this attitude of, hey, I'm I'm okay being open, um, you, people gravitate towards you who have that same mindset. And so I really agree. Another thing that I that I have to say that 
you know, living in New York, I have gotten a group of friends and people around me who have very different backgrounds. I used to, you know, growing up in Finland and, and you know, studying and even, you know, even when I lived elsewhere in Europe, all my friends were, you know, like white straight people that had studied uh, business and voted a certain way and thought about things a certain way, right? And I always thought, you know, well, this is because we all just are similar and, and that's what, 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 um, actually unites us but coming to new york i've just met so many different people from different walks of life and you start understanding wow i have so much in common with people that are very different from me come from different backgrounds cultures races uh, professions whatnot uh and it's been amazing it's it, you know and and obviously i mean i've never made a conscious choice of choosing friends based on that it was just a natural progression and now that you're surrounded by so many different people I can't believe that I once had a very homogeneous group of friends because what can you actually learn from people like that? They all think the same way you do, right? Uh, versus now you actually get so many insights um, and so much food for thought that I'm really grateful for, for that experience and for those people in my life. I was reading a book recently and the, the person made a very good point about people and what you just said. And that's, he said, oftentimes we seek to we seek like-minded and we seek to be liked yes and that's really i mean it kind of hit the nail on the head right there's a reason why we connect with some people over others there is a reason why we spend more time with one group and not the other and one other thing that i was going to say is i think this has by far been the best testimonial for new york so i think <laughs> what i'm going to have to do is i'm going to have to pitch this entire interview to the new york welcome center for anyone that is <laughs> eager and interested in moving to New York and, and seeing all the changes, um, you know, I've experienced similar things. I, I haven't been there as long as you have. I've been there probably a total of a handful of weeks and it's been the same exact thing. Mm. I've met people at first time encounters and it's like, wow, I feel like I've known this person for years Yeah, and I could ask them anything and I could do, there's, there's something about, the culture and I think it's a very empowering feeling that I genuinely believe that you can do anything and having traveled to different cities as I'm sure you have experienced as well not every city has that not every city no. carries that energy I think no. New York and a handful of others are really the only ones in the world I think that carry that I agree and I think so many times I've thought I've had this passing thought of oh I would have never met this person if I wasn't in New York under no other circumstance would I have met some of the people that I know now. And it's, it's wonderful. Tell us a little bit about Zvuk, the name, the origin, the meaning. Yeah. Well, Is it Russian he, by any chance? Yeah. So, so um, we came up, so my co-founder is from Uzbekistan uh, uh, originally. And I actually have, so, so I grew up in Finland uh, and my dad's Finnish and my mom's Russian. So we both speak, you know, Russian. And, and so, you know, the name was supposed to be a placeholder. We did not want to uh, be pod or cast anything because literally 99% of podcasting companies um, have that in their names. And so we wanted to be original and we had to pitch to this investor who gave us the first check. And so we have like the, the deck and everything. And we're like, we need a name. What's the name? And then my co-founder actually came up with it and he said, why don't we just do this? And that's, I mean, it means, it means sound in a lot of Eastern European languages. And so I said, yeah, let's just, you know, it's kind of funky. It's like 
interesting. Let's keep it and then we'll just change it later. And we just never ended up changing it because it's pretty original. Uh, it's a great uh, icebreaker with people. They always try to pronounce it and try to figure out what it is and what it sounds like and all that. Um, it's, it's, it's different. Um, and I mean, listen, when you think about names, it, you know, now we feel like Uber or Airbnb or you know, Google are obvious names, but I mean, they're weird, right? I mean, when they came up, it's like, what a weird name, but now they're household names. And so that's what I hope that we will become one day too. And it's become a verb. Like that to me is fascinating. You yes, know, you can Google it. it. Yes. Like, everything like that. It, it's, it's really interesting how some of these words that appear to have no meaning whatsoever have literally changed cultures in a way. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Do you speak Russian? I, I do speak. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a little bit rustier nowadays um, <laughs> because I mean, I don't really, you know, I don't really use it unless I speak with my mom. Uh -huh. um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, I speak it. I, awesome. I speak. Uh, and, and, you know, it's interesting coming from, you know, growing up in, in Finland, you in general, well, I was bilingual from pretty much the get-go but then you know you have to learn languages right so english of course we, we all learn and then swedish is the second official language of, of finland so you have to learn that and then i learned german as well and, and worked in germany so that's one of the big gifts i think living in a country that doesn't speak english as the native language because you have to learn other languages uh here i, I feel like in america people the, the standard answer is i studied spanish in school but I don't really speak it. And so, you know, but I mean, it must be nice to um, go out there and be able to always be understood in your own uh, language, uh, which is great. But uh, for me, yeah, I've always loved languages. Well, I think it's also partially shame as far as mispronouncing, making mistakes. I, I remember when I was younger, people would always ask me at school, can you speak Russian to us? Can you say certain words? Because I was born there and lived there for 12 years. Oh. And so, it, you know, for me, I just felt like it was always a uh, quote unquote wasted effort because they wouldn't be able to respond back or they wouldn't understand what I was saying. And I think after a while, especially when it comes to a new language, what I've at least what I've observed is that there's a huge element of shame. Like, what if I mispronounce and what if the other mm. person can actually speak better? And then, you know, I look like the fool for making all these mistakes, but I think that's probably just a natural progression of learning the language, though. Exactly. I mean, think about it in I mean, English, right? How many times do we make mistakes and we quote unquote speak it fluently? No, absolutely. And and I think that it's it's a shame if people are feeling embarrassed about their language skills. I always appreciate so much if somebody's trying to make an effort. Uh, well, people usually don't try to speak Finnish because it's such a it's such an outlier language. But with any any, any other language, and I mean, again, I, I speak English with an accent. People are asking me all the time, like, "Where's your accent from? Where are you from?" And uh, you know, and and I think you know, the more that I have, you know, been and lived abroad, the, the the prouder I feel that I do have a bit of an accent because it's a part of my identity. It's a part of who I am. I. I I don't want to lose it because I am Finnish, right? And and I have, you know, and I I, I come from like a a, a a bicultural family and and all that. So I feel proud of it, and I think everybody should. Mm. How can people connect with you? Where can people find out more about who you are and what you have going on? Yeah, so I'm pretty active on social media um, at Anna Ratala on Instagram on LinkedIn. Um, and I'm actually starting a podcast uh, with uh, a friend called Founders at Five. It's a podcast about topics that don't make it to the happy hour. 
Uh, and we're basically discussing our founder lives and stories uh, in New York, talking about a lot of topics that I think many people think about, but never really dare to talk out loud. Uh, so very real, raw, unfiltered conversations, just like this one. Um, so you can find that on any podcast app. We are launching uh, on 30th of September. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, please consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can find these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we'll look forward to having you next time.